Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're doing on this show. Recapping another fantastic week of ATP Challenger Tour action with our hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. On today's show, they discuss the end to Liam Brody's seven-year quest for a Challenger title. They discuss why playing clay events at high altitudes changes just about everything. They discuss Tiago Montero rebuilding his confidence of late and so much more to a fantastic episode. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, if you're looking for recaps of the ATP and WTA tour level events, head on over to our mini break podcast feed. If you're looking to hear from last week's Mosell Open champion and finalist, you can hear my questions, the answers as well from Hubi Hercats and Pablo Carreno Bustas. We were able to sit on press row, offer you all some from the presser segments that can be found on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. And of course, for all of our content, just head on over to our website, crackrackets.com, trying to ensure all of you listeners have all of the information you need to thoroughly enjoy uh, being a tennis fan, to thoroughly enjoy the home stretch of this 2021 season. But of course, you came here to hear about the ATP Challenger Tour. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here's this week's episode with hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Babra. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, hello and welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. I'm actually going to be discussing the, know, the the recaps of the tournaments by myself today. But Jakub is going to be back for match of the week, upset of the week, and the previews. Uh, we're sorry for that, but well, it was a, a bit of an issue with his alarm clock. He's also ill, which you're going to probably hear. I'm going to edit out most of the coughing. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but you're probably going to hear some. Uh, it's It sounded quite serious, so let's just hope that, that Jakub is going to be fine uh, for next week's episode. Uh, yeah, and we had five different Challenger events this week on three continents, which is, which is great to see. Uh, obviously, a lot of workload for us, and you know, Sunday was, was very busy, but that's what we love about the Challenger Tour, that it's so overwhelming and that it pretty much plays out all day 
you start with Kazakhstan, or oh, not this week, but but you know, you start with Kazakhstan, you finish with South America or, or the States. Actually, there was there wasn't a a single event in Australia this year. So you know, back back in the day, or or in Asia, like Asia, not not Kazakhstan, but Asia, like China, Japan. So back in the day, back in 2019, 2018, it was even more. You know, it spanned over even even more hours. But anyhow, I have this in alphabetical order, I think. So I'm going to start with Ambato, which was actually the last final to end yesterday, where Thiago Agustin Tirante won the final against Juan Pablo Varillas, 7-5-7-5. Tirante was my pick for the title, and Varillas was Jakub's pick for the title. Uh, So obviously very happy. I'm I'm obviously very happy about this, and I'm going to be just one point shy of Jakub right now. It's 8-9. Uh, so getting closer, I mean, there, there, there's not that much time left until the end of the year. So I, I really need to, uh, I really need to get back at him in that competition. But anyhow, Tirante was honestly the altitude clay is a bit of a double-edged sword for him because his return is not great, especially the backhand one, as as the backhand is uh, is not a you know is a flaw of his game in general. And in the first two rounds, he well, he won them against Rodriguez and Gomez Herrera, but never broke serve. Uh, still, he somehow came through both in three sets, and then played much better as the week w- went on. He defeated Gerald Meltzer, then Facundo Mena, the la- last week's title winner from Cuito. And then he also defeated uh, Juan Pablo Varillas. Uh, he, he's, why, why did I say it's a double-edged sword then? Because his serve is great and it also helped him massively to get through this week. Uh, against Varillas, he actually had to save only two breakpoints. Uh, I was kind of uh, worried that maybe if the third set comes, he, you know, he just had so much more workload than Varillas during this week. So maybe maybe that was going to favor the Peruvian, but he managed to close it in two. I think Tiranta is honestly such a huge talent because there are so many clear liabilities in his game, but he still can make it work because of you know, simply the, the, the potential that he has. Basically, if you let him dictate with the forehand, especially inside out, the point is practically done. Like You're not getting back to the rally. And... Uh, he's such a tough opponent to play, and he's also he's almost going to be in the in the top 200 uh, from Monday, in the in Monday's edition of the ATP rankings. Uh, as I mentioned, Varias had a very good run as well. I feel like you know th- this week was probably the last South American challenger where the quality was you know slightly weaker than what we usually see on the challenger circuit. So 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 Varias was. A big favorite to come through to the finals, but then again, he was two points away from getting eliminated in the first round against Roberto Quiros. Uh, so, so you know, it, it it was still close. It's still very tough to to get good results on the challenger tour. Also, Alexis Gautier got to the quarters and lost to Facundo Mena again, uh, even though he was lucky loser for this event. Uh, honestly, wasn't imp- I wasn't that impressed with Gautier, even if he, even though he got some. Great wins over Gonzalo Lama, Andre Martin, but I, I I just felt like he's one of the guys who really benefited from the whole tournament being sort of 
sort of weaker also in very specific conditions. Uh, I think his depth was pretty much all over the place. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, this week he's playing again. Oh, he's not anymore. He's He was supposed to play in Lima in the, in the qualies, but he lost to Nicolas Barrientos 6-0, 6-0. I didn't see that one, so I can't really... You know can't really say more about it but anyhow a fantastic week for for Tirante which I'm very happy to see uh, I've been a, a pretty big follower of his talents since he was the the junior world number one and it's great that at 20 years old he was able to win his third final which is significantly faster than Liam Brody who won his first challenger title in on the eighth try and actually his first final came back seven years ago in uh, what was it charlottesville i think yeah so it took him seven years to complete that feat and it, it's it clearly meant a lot and i mean he's had such a good year this was actually the third final this year he lost to benjamin bonzi in potchefstroom and then lost to um andras seppi in biela uh, Brody had some fantastic wins this year, like against Hubert Hurkacz at the Olympics. Uh, he's simply so solid, and you know, play, play. I, I don't think he can be realistically like a top fifty player, but he's definitely he was definitely the player that you know came close so many times. And like compared to, for example, Yannick Madden, who also has seven finals, it just feels like Madden's. Madden's runs were so short-lived compared to Brody. Like Brody is gonna be around this level for a long time, and he has been. He, you know, his first final came seven years ago, and it's great that he finally got it. He actually never lost a set all week, despite playing some awesome indoor hard players like Rankumar Ramanathan, Andrei Kuznetsov, also Mark Andrea Wessler in the finals. Uh, he he had some, he had a bit of. You know, a case of early nerves in the final, which is understandable because it, it's been a big mental block for him, clearly. But he, he managed to get over that. And it, it, it's definitely, like, probably the best the best day of his career, I imagine. Uh, yeah, he also played Stryker in the semis, who had another fantastic run. That how, how well he can play that aggressive game and how well he can serve at his age is... Is really astonishing. He he scored a great win over Henri Laksonen, but Stryker got injured in the semis, played just eight games against Liam Brody. And my pick for the title was Tim Van Rijthoven, who had two match points against Wessler in the in the semis, but failed to convert them in a second set tiebreak. And it was Wessler in the finals, who also has a very natural indoor hardcore game. Funny thing, he actually had a 3-0 record in Challenger finals, so I guess that that only makes Brody's win uh, even more impressive. Uh, what else do I want? Did I want to pick up on from here? Probably not much. Yeah, uh, I'm struggling. Yeah, okay. Jakub's pick was uh, Pierre Gerber who pulled out, uh, so yeah, he couldn't get the point there. In Braga, which is another event, we had Thiago Monteiro winning his sixth challenger title, first since Punta del Este 2020, which was in January. So quite a long time, as you as you probably know, he was struggling with a lot of confidence issues recently. I I still don't think he's playing as well as he can. Like I'm, I I really miss the days when he was able to use his lefty topspin forehand more aggressively. 
he really lacked it in the final. He really lacked it against Arnaboldi in the quarters. Like obviously, Andrea Arnaboldi is not a natural clay quarter. Like he he feels good on the surface, but his style isn't suited for that. And Monteiro just shouldn't be leaving him this much freedom to dictate to to play what Arnaboldi does best, which is well basically to hit a big forehand and go to the net. And Monteiro should be disallowing him that. And even the final against Milojevic, Monteiro played... It was a 7-5, 7-5 victory, but it took one, 151 minutes, I believe. Which, honestly, it shouldn't have been such a mess. Like, Milojevic just had didn't have enough weapons to hit through Monteiro. But Monteiro, in this form, he still manages to make things like that close. And, I don't know, I'm not too excited about his form. But you still... You still need to be a, a very good player to defeat Thiago Monteiro, even though his style is now more physical than reliant on the on the top spin forehand. He crushed Hugo Gaston in the semis, which actually we couldn't see because it was moved indoors. There was a lot of rain in, in Braga this week. Uh, so I can't really say anything about that, but I guess with, with how heavy Monteiro plays the ball, I, I, the indoor conditions probably favored him more than, than the Frenchman, right? Um, Milojevic got to the to the final, which is actually you know, um, he he was in the finals like two weeks ago in Banja Luka, so he's he's doing very well at the moment. But his run was also very tough. He played Santiago Rodriguez Taverna, which is someone I, I I need to watch more honestly, and I hope I'm going to be able to this week. But he saved six match points on return. Uh, in in that second round, I I, I rewatched the match points because I didn't see the match, and well, most of them were sort of choked by Rodriguez Taverna, like simple forehand errors. But there were a couple on which Milojevic hit a great backhand on the line or or something like that. So you know, both a choke, but also at the same time a, a very clash performance from Milojevic. Uh, but as I said, I, I think Monteiro was definitely the, the strongest player this week. But there are some you know, some things in his performance that I'm not too excited about. But I mean, t- t- winning titles helps your confidence. And if he can... I was always honestly very... under. I was always under the impression that Thiago Monteiro was going to win like a Golden Swing ATP event at some point of his career. It hasn't really happened. I don't know if that if I believe in that anymore. I'm just, you know, maybe I sound like, you know, I'm. I, I don't want to be diminishing his achievement in Braga, but I just always feel like Monteiro should be doing more, and that's that's why I'm, why I'm, uh, why I'm a little bit, you know, on, on, like when 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 I was talking about Brody, I was I was only praising when I was talking about Tirante, that was only praising, but I feel like Monteiro should be doing more. Like Tirante will be doing more. Brody is probably doing what he can, but Monteiro, you know, he just he just feels like he has more potential than, than still than, than what he's showed us. Even though he's like what twenty, yeah, twenty seven. So I don't know. Maybe it's gonna happen. But ever since he defeated Tsonga at uh, Rio in in two thousand sixteen, I just always felt like. He he could you know win a golden swing event in his career and hasn't really happened. So hopefully that Bragaran can give him a lot of confidence and can make him excel once again. 
he had very nice runs at the French this year and and last year, so maybe maybe there's something there. And Bucharest is was my second pick, uh, second point that I earned this week, and it was for the eighth seed Izzy Lehechka. Uh, honestly, the the top half was at the same time strong, but it it really felt like Travalia Lehechka was a match for the title. Uh, at that point, but Travalia had a much tougher road. He played Flavio Koboli and Vitali Sachko, uh, who have both been excellent on the Challenger Tour this year. And Lehechka just steamrolled his first three opponents, but it was Alexei Vatutin, then Dragon Nikola, Dragos Nikolas Madaras, uh, a qualifier who is Swedish, but also has some Romanian background, I think. Uh, I, I, I think he has both, both citizenships, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure about that. But he also played uh, Nicolas David Iono, so a Romanian wildcard in the quarters. Iono had a good run, but frankly, the, the draw really opened up after Zdenek Kolaj lost. And Lehechka Travalia was actually very high quality. We've talked about Travalia not being very motivated in recent weeks, like the, the, the losses he had to Colarini uh, to, to charge the first, the first set. He pretty much tanked them, sort of. Uh, so it was it was refreshing to see Travalia really care this week because against Koboli, against Sachko, against Lehechka, these were really high quality matches. And in the bottom half, we've had an absolute stunner in Kokinakis Emery. Uh, Kokinakis was actually Jakub's pick at the title, but once again, like Emery played a fantastic match. His energy levels went down in the third set. He still came very close to closing it. He had a match point, uh, but. You know, he, he just couldn't really get it done, but really forced Kokinakis to play his best. And then Kokinakis played Filip Horansky, and it just felt like he never really had the, you know, the the intensity required, especially in the third set, uh, probably because of that three-hour match against Emery. But as for Kokinakis, honestly, I feel like people are still thinking of him in the category that you know, if he's healthy, he's gonna be top 50 in no time, and we can clearly see that he is not at that level. Like this year, he's mostly been a quarter finalist than a, a titleist at challenger level, and it's not only on clay, which probably is is thought of as his worst surface, which I don't think it's true. I think he's actually looked more impressive on clay this year than he's done. Well, definitely than he's than he's been on grass but probably even on hard courts. And it, it's getting clear that his return is a weakness and a, a pretty big one at that, and that he's simply not going to win challenger after, after challenger. I don't know if without all the injuries in the past, maybe maybe he would have been much better at the moment. But it, it, it's getting clear that while he's still underranked, he's not as underranked as some people think. And I'm gonna be, you know, a little bit more cautious picking him from now on. Horanski made the finals, which is at the same time surprising, but he gets that run like once or twice a year. He he really pulls the week together and uh, and has these runs. He was a finalist in Quimper at the beginning of the season, where he lost very easily to Sebastian Corda. And honestly, once again, the final was sort of uncompetitive. He fought back a bit from 0-5 in the first set, but lost 6-3-6-2 to Izzy Lehechka. And 
uh, well, by far the, the the most impressive win Lehechka had this week was Stefano Traval against Stefano Travaglia, but he didn't lose a set, which is very ob obviously super exciting. I am very very uh, interested in how Lehechka's career progresses from here. Uh, he's improved physically, I think, like comparing to when I saw him in Poznan to to when I saw him in Szczecin two, two months later. I think he he really got more mu muscular. He got simply he's simply turning into a physical beast, which is what his style needs. I feel like uh, that clean ball striking he has is is really excellent. And if he can continue improving his serve and also work on his game on other surfaces, which I guess is going to be you know something that he can do in the latter part of the season when there are no more clay court challengers in Europe. Then I, out of the young Czechs, as we as we actually talked about with Jakub like two or three weeks ago, I think he's the one that has the most potential. He's the one that is probably a lock for top. I want to say fifty. I mean, top one hundred is not bold at all. I feel top fifty is slightly bolder. So I don't know. Maybe top fifty is a stretch, but uh, to me, he's at this point in time a lock for top fifty at some point in the future. That might be a wrong prediction, but you know, that's what you're here for to listen uh, to our crappy predictions, right? Yeah, and we have Columbus left, uh, which, as I found out, it's is actually well, thanks to Yash, I, I don't think he'll be listening, but uh, anyhow, uh, he told me that this is played at the same venue that the Ohio State Buckeyes played uh, play college tennis. Which explains how well Wolf and especially Torpegard do here, because I think Torpegard finished uh, well. His his record on the Challenger Tour is like sixty forty five. His win loss record, and it's thirty four to nine uh, in Ohio. These are actually just two events: Columbus and Cleveland. Well, mostly Columbus, but Cleveland as well, and. Uh, in the rest of events, uh, Challenger Tour events, not only indoors, but also clay and other stuff, it's 26 to 34, so it's a huge difference. And I always just figured, I don't know, it's some Ohio magic. But it turns out that's, you know, that the explanation, at least for the Columbus results, not for, not for Cleveland, is that he they really know these courts, both Wolf and Torpegard, even if Wolf's record were, was, wasn't as skewed and he actually does well in other states of the of the of the of America as well, not only in America as well. Uh, but I, uh, Stefan Kozlov defeated them both, and honestly, the way he was able to st stick around despite losing the opening set to both Torpegard and Wolf, but also to Max Purcell in the finals. All of them, Wolf, Torpegard, Purcell, that they played fantastic first sets, but they weren't able to close the match against Kozlov and um, Stefan Kozlov had a great summer back four years ago he was regarded as one of the, you know, the premium American talents which when you look at his game you just really don't know where it was coming from obviously from, from all the junior success but he has such a unique playing style such weird strokes and it, it's super exciting to watch him sort of battle that on the court. Like obviously, not you don't battle against your own technique, but he needs to he needs to do everything so differently to other players. 
that I just I just it's a fun riddle to watch even for the even for the viewer and he was very good behind his serve this week uh you know with his technique it's not easy to convert an advantageous position in the rally but he was doing that really well especially with the help of his volleying which was really excellent and he got his first title in almost four years uh, not even challenger at any level and it, it comes after a couple of really dreadful seasons and uh it's hard to pinpoint what's better this year. Maybe it's his attitude. Maybe it's how much work he's putting in simply. But it's whatever it is, it's clearly working. And Kozlov is really, really good at the moment. He's almost back to the top, top 250 of the ATP rankings. And it's, you know, compared to what he played in 2019, 2020, it's just night and day. So... Wolf was actually excellent as well. That was my pick for the title. And he lost to Kozlov, but also scored a fantastic win against Sandgren in the quarters and just smashed his first two opponents. Uh, Jakub's pick was Max Purcell, who reached the finals. Uh, no more forehand slicing all match as in Nur Sultan. But uh, he's still obviously using that shot a lot, but he got the trust back in his forehand. I feel like with him, it's again... A lot depends on the confidence. When he got the break in the first set against Kozlov and he was able to front run, he played this fun all-court style, was really throwing himself at Kozlov. And then the sets to end free, he just committed way too many errors, frankly. He barely survived the semis against Alexander Vukic, who should have won to set both sets, honestly. In one, he had like three sets po set points, and in the other one, he served for it. But... It was a really poor performance from Vukic in terms of the clutch moments, like the the the, the finishes to the sets. He was he was making very straightforward errors. There's honestly there's one volley that I think will haunt him. He played like a a smash which Porcel barely got back, and he had the whole court open for a volley, and just terribly botched it. Uh, it went wide, and. Uh, just not clutch at all, although it, it, these were two very solid weeks for Vukic as well. He made semis in both Columbus and Kerry. We'll see what, where he plays next, because there's not going to be an American challenger until Las Vegas, I think, which is on the 25th of October, some late, late October, I think. Uh, so anyhow, I think that's going to be all for the recaps. Oh, actually, I wanted to mention the doubles in two events. Kozlov won uh, in Columbus with Peter Polanski, and that's a very nice pair. They finished runner-up in Kerry and Columbus, then now no, they won in Columbus. Um, and I felt like they they were... they just worked really well together. Uh, we're going to see if Polanski maybe gets to focus a bit more on doubles because singles hasn't been working out for him in such a long time. Uh, even here in Columbus, he well he played Jason Kubler in the first round, which is a tough draw, honestly. Uh, Polanski has been slightly better recently, but, but still way below his regular level. And in Bucharest, uh, I've actually talked about uh, this pairing a couple of times here, which is Ruben Gonzalez and Hunter Johnson. Uh, I talked about not being able to understand how Hunter Johnson has no challenger titles, and he finally does. 
And uh, I don't know, I mean, the, the Johnson brothers, when you watch them, are just so, such typical doubles players. Like, you, you can just see the, the, that skill set required to play this discipline. And I, I've got, I really have no clue why Zdenek Kolasz has 12 Challenger doubles titles and Hunter or, or Yates, John, Yates Johnson, his twin brother, had none. They actually stopped playing together in like June. Uh, I think Yates is in the States. He didn't even come to Europe. And Ruben, uh, Hunter Johnson has been playing with some different partners, mostly Ruben Gonzalez. He also played with uh, Fabian Fallert, I think. Uh, so, but Gonzalez Johnson is definitely one of my favorite challenger pairings. In Poznan, they defeated Valkov Zielinski, uh, saving three match points. And then they also, and then they lost in the semis to Drzewiecki Vukic. But Gonzalez Johnson is a is a pairing that I really enjoy watching, even though as you as you probably know if you've listened to a couple of of episodes, uh I'm not really and neither is Jakub. He, we're we're not watching that much doubles. Mostly as there's no time for it, honestly. Especially when you have five events per week. Uh you know, after after you've watched like a solid amount of hours of tennis uh, per day doubles is, is simply not something I that excites me enough the, to to prioritize it. But Ruben Gonzalez Hunter Johnson is definitely a pairing I, I tune in to watch because I found I find them extremely entertaining and they also have very classic volleying techniques. Um, yeah, so now we're going to go to a different segment because we're going to have Jakub back for, for match of the week, for upset of the week, and also for the predictions uh, and previews of of next week's events. Uh, so welcome back, Jakub. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> no, okay, let's, let's just go to the match of the week and the, and the upset of the week. Uh, maybe what's your match of the week? Uh, so my match of the week, I'm going for Filip Horansky over Tanasi Kokinakis. Uh, you know, Horansky, I'm, I'm unfortunately unable to review his full run, but, 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 what a, but what a great run it was for him. I did not expect it whatsoever uh, with this season. But yes, he beat uh, Tanasi Kokinakis 7-6-4-6-6-2. Uh, pretty high quality. Kokinakis, obviously, he's sort of become more of like a regular quarter finalist rather than somebody that we're picking to win all the time as we did earlier in the year unfortunately but it's still a very good win he he's showed some he's showed some quality on on clay this year um so yeah so that, that that's my match of the week i went i also went with a kokinakis match but against calvin emery uh honestly the quality was sick uh Emery played fantastic for the first two sets. Then his energy levels sort of went went down, but it was so fun to watch. I mean, Emery when when he's on is absolutely brilliant. He has so much flamboyance, and uh, Kokinakis really had to. I, I honestly I believe he lost to Horansky because he played that much earlier, <laughs> because just another third set, another very high quality very draining uh, third set was simply too much and the the, the drama with Kokinaki serving uh, saving a match point then winning in the tie break and sort of Emery barely 
well, maybe not barely walking, but clearly down on energy in the in the latter parts of the third set. But Kokinaki's still still somehow hanging on, and Kokinaki's simply having to go for a lot to win this match. Uh, that honestly, after this after this one finished on what was it, Thursday or Wednesday, I wrote on Twitter that I feel like much of the week is already uh, done for me, and yeah, that. I stand by that opinion. And what's your upset of the week? Uh, yeah, upset of the week. Uh, I, I had a tough time picking. Um, but yeah, I've gone for Dominic Stefan Stricker over uh, Andre Laxon in, in the second round. Which uh, Stricker, obviously, he, he won Lugano at the start of the year. But his challenger performances since then had been kind of middling. Um, he, he, he wasn't really showing much. On, on clay at all. So but by the time we got back to uh, indoor hard, um, he, he, he obviously beat Janvier in the first round, uh, but Laxon, he, he looked pretty good against Latsko. So I thought that he was going to win that and still kind of surprised me there and then went, went on to to have a pretty nice semi-final run. Okay. I would have been surprised if Laxon and won, honestly, but uh, I can see why you went with this because there's really, despite five events, there really wasn't much to pick in terms of upsets. The bookies had Gabashvili over Collage as the biggest one, but mm. honestly, I mean, we, we often talk about back-to-back, how tough it is to go back-to-back and how tough it is to, to follow up a title with another good run. And I mean, I, it's just not that shocking. And there was also a big one in for the bookies. Katarina over Basic was a big one, which is just crazy. Like uh, I think we even talked about it like a month ago that that Mirza Basic is super overrated by the bookies. Yeah. And the, for some reason, the odds were crazy on this one. I, I just Katarina has been so good on the ITF tour. Like he's the he's the classic player that is too good for ITFs but can't break through at challengers. And I, I just don't see why, how this is an upset like at all. But that was the, the second biggest one in terms of odds. And I actually, for the very first time in this podcast, I went with an upset that isn't really a match. I went with Pierre Igerbert's withdrawal. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Come on. I just felt like... If he cared enough to sign up, like if his singles form of late has been so poor, not to sign uh, like to sign up for a challenger, then well, obviously he played Prague, but that was a different case because there were no main tour events and all. And I just felt like felt like maybe you know if if he signed up, he was gonna play like for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, it's I'm cheating here, but yeah, I, I, I just I really know an option to be honest. I mean, that, now I'm also picking Pierre Gerber. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that, and, and it was upsetting better. for you as well, right? Because you, oh, yeah, you I mean, seem to upsetting for me. Uh, I was not happy about that in the slightest. Like, come on, it, 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 at least play. Like, even if you're going to lose first round, it's it's better than because it's happened to me like back to back weeks. I think right, I didn't have. Or, or, or maybe not back to back, but I had it. Uh, I, th- I think I had like Echeveri two weeks ago or something. You had two ago. guys this week. You had Elias as well, right? In uh, in Braga. Oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, so yeah. We, two of your picks didn't even make it to court. So uh, yeah. Well, and I also two of my picks got a point. So yeah, a rough week for you. Uh, <laughs> 
especially as you came so close with with Purcell and and Varias. A very good yeah. week actually for for both of us prediction wise. And it 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 wasn't the it also wasn't like the top seeds. We actually had some really good picks like Lehechka, uh, Purcell, Tirante, guys who weren't exactly, you know, the number one seed, the number two seed. But Van Rijthoven, I guess, was a good pick for me as well. Um, he he missed much points in the semis. And anyhow, uh, should we start with uh, Orlean? Sure, the the biggest one there is. Yes, the biggest one, and what a feel it has. Honestly, we have Hugo Umber as the top seed, world number 26 at a challenger, uh, which, which will be great to see. Um, his section uh, has Quentin Elise. Uh, in the first round, he has Gregor Barrer, Denis Novak, uh, who could be potentially dangerous. His other seed is Pierre-Hugues Herbert, who obviously pulled out last week, so we don't really know. Um, what, what form he's coming into with uh, with this week? Uh, in the next section, we have uh, Artur Rindkrech as the third seed, playing against Anton Huang in the first round. Then we have a Spanish derby between Vedasco and Feliciano Lopez, which will be interesting to see. I don't know how many more of these we're going to get between these two guys. They both seem very much towards the end of the career. Um, we also have a, have a pretty pretty good first round. Uh, in Gobis playing with Mansafilin on indoor hard will definitely be fun to watch. Uh, and the winner of that will get to play Corentin Mute, who's in with the wildcard as well. In the next section, we have uh, Richard Gasquet as a fourth seed uh, playing qualifier. He will then face either Luca Puy or Elias Imer. Uh, next section, uh, in, in the, the other seed in the section is Yuji Vesely, uh, the number five seed. And then we have uh, Markura and Tabilo, the other two guys in the section. And finally, Ejman Bonzi plays Harold Mayo in the first round, which will definitely be interesting to see. Uh, the, we, we talked about Mayo before on this podcast. Young guy had a difficult year with injuries. Um, we, we also have uh, Olga Rune playing uh, Jules Simon number seven seed which i mean rune should definitely win that match to be honest with with, with simon's performance this year um and we have zizou bergs who has obviously had a, a some incredible performances this year already uh on on indoor hard so he's, he's sort of back to his best surface so definitely should be a contender here as well uh what do you think of the draw yeah uh, there were there were actually once again the three French juniors in the qualies, but all of them lost first round, so not much to talk about there. I guess Kuznetsov is the only <coughs> the only guy who could really go far here in in a draw of this quality, as you as you said. I'm mm-hmm. looking at Ferdasco Lopez history. They they first played in 2004, <laughs> so it, it's pretty ridiculous that it's happening on on the Challenger Tour this time. I mean, obviously, it never. You know, their their first matchup was a was a tour level meeting at at Kidsbill, so so it never happened at uh, you know it never happened at a, at a at a tournament of this level. They met in in a in a semi once at Quito and twice at the U.S. Open. From what I see, a, a pretty ridiculous matchup. Uh, this is actually a pretty tough draw for Umber. I feel like uh, yeah. with with how you know off he's been on his confidence 
it's actually obviously a, a very weird decision to go here down to Sofia. I guess maybe he just wants to rebuild. Maybe maybe there's some appearance fee as well. Who knows? Possible. But, yeah. but Alice is definitely not a player you want to see in your first round. So uh, I I wasn't. I don't know. It just it, it just felt off to pick him. Uh, for me so uh, you know I, I I've had many many times where I should have picked Benjamin Bonzi this year and I didn't you got a, you got a few points of him and I just figured I it wouldn't be wise not to go for Bonzi again so I uh, I went with Bonzi yes um surprisingly I'm not going for for Bonzi this time um I feel like it's a really tough section. Uh, it, that, is, it is. It is. With with in the second round, I don't. I don't really like it for him. What I do kind of like is 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 Arthur uh, Rinderknecht's draw. He he does have Anton Huang in the first round, but the second round of Vedas Lopez, I, I feel like he should win. Really, at this point, the 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 guys don't have much left in them to be fully honest. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going for for Arthur Rinderknecht here. Yeah, a very fair pick. I was also thinking about Rune after 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 what he showed in uh, Mar- not Marseille Mets this this week. Uh, <coughs> came very close to beating Karenio Busta, and I just I just feel like he definitely could win this. But as I said, I mean, I I missed on Bonzi so many times, and I really want to see him get the record. So, yeah, that that would be absolutely great to see. Um, next up, let's go to Sibiu. Sure. <clears throat> Top seed in Sibiu, Stefano Travaglia opens against Lukas Rossol. He actually has a really nice draw here. Rossol and then um, Vlad Andrei Danku, or qualifier. Uh, then two other qualifiers in the section, and then uh, Zdenek Kolaj against Mariusz Kopil, which should be pretty fun first round to watch. On play, different styles and all. Um, next section we have Damir Jumhur playing uh, wildcard Petros Tsitsipas, of course. Why not? Of, of, of course, he's in there for no reason. Actually, there uh, is a reason. Uh, I read that. Uh, well, it, it's a sort of a deal with a Croatian challenger. I'm assuming it's the one in October in Losinj or however you you read it. And uh, well, basically that tournament is going to give a wildcard to Cornea. And, and well, Sibiu is going to give a wild card to what the, to someone that's, that that creation challenger chose. And that creation challenger chose Petros Tsitsipas. <laughs> that's so ridiculous. Why? Yep. They could have picked, they, they could have picked, you know, Idukovic, for example. I feel like he would, he would have definitely. Idukovic maybe will get, you know, we'll get in but, normally. Yeah. And I guess... Oh, yeah, actually, actually yeah, looking at the cutoff, you probably would have gotten in. Yeah, you know, I think Idukovic is yeah, just they, injured. They, they, they have their own players. I don't know why they're giving this wild card to Petros. Yep. Pass. Like, kind of ridiculous. Anyway, in the section is also Alexander Edler, who who, who, who you quite uh, like a lot, playing sure. Jeffrey Blancano. Um, then we have Sumi Nagal as the eighth seed. Uh, playing Lucas Midler, very fun first round between Yiji Lehechka uh, and Philip Christian Giannu. Uh, next section, we have Alex Molchan playing Ricardo Bonadio, uh, Vít Kopšiva or Daniel Petrovic in the second round. Um, in the section, we have Stanasi Kokinakis as a seventh seed, plays Maxime Materer, um, also Ergi Kerkin and Alexei Vatutin. 
in, a, in the final section, we have Radula about the second seed plays Vitali Sachko, which upset alert pretty much. I, I, I feel like Sachko might, might, might win that first round, actually. Uh, Vlad Viktor Kornea plays Franco Ag- uh, Ag- Agamenone. And their sixth seed, Marc-Andrea Hisler, who it says to me that he's the defending champion. He is, uh, yeah. Defeated Echeverry last year. Uh, he opens up against uh, Yellow Cells and then has G. Clark or Qualifier in the second round. So who's caught your eye here? Who are you looking forward to? Yeah, I, I was looking forward to seeing Calvin Emery again after what he's done this week against Kokinakis, but he retired in the first round of the qualies. There's also uh, Nicolas David Yonel, who honestly I'm not that excited about. I know he's made the quarters this week, but it was mostly a, a very soft <laughs> draw in that section. And I mean, back in 2019, he won four ITFs in a row for 15Ks. And like the, the fields were, really weren't that strong. And ever since, I think he's won like one. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not that excited about him anymore. I think Gianu is definitely the, the Romanian talent to look at right now. Cornea is in the wildcard as well. Uh, as you said, I'm also expecting Sachko to beat Albot, and even if not Sachko, then Agamemnon, I guess. Uh, it's a really tough draw for Albot, honestly. If he if he wants to regain confidence, that's that's very rough. Uh, I feel like we're gonna go for the very, for the same pick here, actually. Uh, I guess I was looking at guys like Collage or Travalia, but Molchan, I mean, really speaks to me here. Uh, he's obviously, he obviously hasn't played in a uh, in a while. Well, at least you know, on on the Challenger Tour because I, did he play Davis Cup? I, yes, yeah, he, he, he yeah. lost straight sets to to Garin, uh, but honestly, Garin was was playing pretty well in that match. Um, and yeah, it, it's also indoor hard as opposed to yeah. play here. To, but since since the US Open, he hasn't played a a match other than than against Garin, no. right? Yeah, so so he's coming back to the to clay after a while. But I I feel like this is a good draw to, you know, sort of gets tuned into it if he beats Bonadio, who's obviously very solid. But I don't know, Molchan Molchan has been so good this year <laughs> that that I feel like he's the premium pick here. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm also going for Alex Molchan. I, I quite like his draw, but not the end of the first round. Kopshiva has hasn't been in in great form. Um, neither has has Petrovic. So so the, through the first two rounds, I quite like it. Um, even through the quarters, I mean, Kokinakis has been uh, sort of you know middling uh, to be completely yeah. struggle to break out. Uh, so yeah, Alex Molchan for me as well. Yeah, people are still expecting Kokinakis to be like you know top top fifty, top top sixty in a moment, and I think it's getting just increasingly clear that he's not playing at that level. Like, yeah, and that's all. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to Lima. That's the one I'm next up here. Uh, top seed Francisco Cerundolo opens against Mateus Pucinelli de Almeida. It should be. Pretty pretty fun. Puccinelli has, has, has sort of broken through onto the challengers this year, so that's been fun to see. Uh, potentially in the se- second round, uh, Menendez uh, Maceiras or qualifier. The other seed in the section is Renzo Olivo playing Lucas Catarina, and then we have General Alberto Oliveri or Roberto Quiroz. Uh, we also have Daniel Altmaier, who who's come down to to South America, which, which should be fun to see. Um, plays against Guido Andreozzi. 
and then potentially has Nikos kicker in the second round. So tough, tough draw, I think. Uh, in the section, there's also uh, fifth seed Ugud Elien plays Nick Hart um, and Nicolas Alvarez and Facundo Mena. <coughs> um, next section, we have Juan Pablo Varias as the as the fourth seed opens against Pedro Sakamoto. Um, a couple of qualifiers in here. Then we have seven seed Juan Pablo Fikovic plays Gerald Meltzer. And the other two guys in the section are Oriol Roca Bataya and Eduard Estere Lovato. Uh, final section, we have Juan Manuel Serundola as the second seed. So we have top two seeds, Serundola brothers. Um, he plays a wild card in Gonzalo Bueno, who I've, I've actually never heard of before. Um, we have a very fun first round here. I just, I just noticed Thiago Agustin Tirante, uh, last week's champion against Gonzalo Lama, uh, the Chilean wild card. We also have eight seed uh, Camilo Ugo uh, Carabelli plays Nicolas Mejia, uh, Mejia, sorry, and Julian Lentz plays another wild card in Conor Huertas del Pino. Uh, so lo lo lots, lots to get into at this draw. This is uh, quite exciting. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, finally we get some. We get a good draw in South America, and it's only going to be. I guess better or at least this good from now on since since the South American Challenger Tour is basically going to be week after week from now on. Uh, the, the breakout performer of the past two weeks, Alexis Gauthier, was also in the qualies and he actually lost 6-0-6-0 to Barrientos yesterday. I did not see that, so I, I can't really speak on that, but okay. I mean, I, I really don't know what to say about this result, but there are some, there are a couple of uh, guys who already played Ambato or Quito, and they should be, you know, they should have a lot of much practice, like Gomez Herrera or Johan Niklas. But you know, here here we have a couple of really good seats, like the Serundolos, which is, by the way, a, a very rare occurrence that two brothers are the top two seats. Uh, they're they're also going to be very very close to the top 100 at the moment. Uh, Juan Manuel, I think, is is slightly closer at the moment. Uh, I didn't want to go for Francisco because I don't like the first round. I but could potentially be dangerous with it being his first match after a while. I also was definitely contemplating Altmaier. But it's a tough section, like Andreozzi first round, then Kiker. I don't know. Yeah, it just didn't really fill me with confidence. And I went with someone who has a very tough second round, which is, uh, I mean, Juan Manuel Cerudo. But Tirante has played two very long weeks. Lama is also probably, I mean, he, he's definitely playing better than his ranking suggests, but I... I feel like he probably had some sort of a you know softer softer draw to get to to Quito finals. I don't think he's quite at that level, and Tirante should be should be tired. Varias is also a fairly uh, a, a very good pick again. I don't know. I I, I went with Juan Manuel Serundolo to get to the top one hundred and and win mm. another one. Um, so I'm going with, with Juan Pablo Varias. He didn't quite work out for me last week, made it all the way to the final, uh, lost to Tiranta, unfortunately. But it doesn't change that. He's, he's still in very good form. Um, I, I quite like his section. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure who works him there. Maybe, maybe, maybe Meltzer, he, he, he had a decent week last week. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going for Juan Pablo Varias once again. Yeah, uh, Varias played Fikovic in in the semis, right? So, so he's pretty oh, yeah, much yeah. yeah that section is that section is is very very good for him. <laughs> I honestly don't know why I didn't go for Varias, but let's yeah. <laughs> <coughs> All right, let's go to Lisbon. We have Thiago Monteiro as the top seed, plays Alexander Muller, uh, potentially in the second round, Igor Seisling or Andrea Pellegrino. Also in the section is seventh seed, Alessandro Gianessi plays Giulio Zepieri in the first round, then Federico Ferreira Silva and Tristan Lamassine. Uh, second section, we have fourth seed, Andre Martin uh, plays Roberto Sitsubervi. Um, in the second round, we have a uh, we have two Portuguese wildcards, Goncalo Oliveira. Oh, sorry, Goncalo Oliveira uh, and Pedro Araujo. Um, then we have fifth seed Nikola Milojevic uh, playing qualifier in the second round. Uh, against him is Konstantin Lestien or Elliot Benchentry. Um, third section, we have third seed Hugo Gaston plays plays Francesco Forti. In the second round, he has Robin Hasse or Filippo Baldi. Other seeds in the section is uh, sixth seed Cedric Marcel Stebe. Uh, and he has Mikhail Kertz or Nuno Borges in the second round. In the final section, second seed Tara Daniel plays a qualifier. Uh, in the second round, he has uh, uh, once again a Portuguese derby there, uh, wildcard Thiago Cacao or Joao Dominguez. Other seed in the section is Midri Popko, plays Lorenzo Giustino. And the other guy in the section is Andrea Arnaboldi. Um, so yeah, no, not, not the best draw so, so far, the weakest one for sure, that for, from the uh, ones that we've looked at. Uh, does anybody stand out to you here? Yeah, from, from the qualities, I definitely want to see more of Santiago Farodriguez Taverna. He blew six match points against Nikola Milojevic this week. Uh, so And he, like, I remember him crushing Daniel Michalski, which was a shock, which was quite a bit of a shock to me at that point. But well, he he definitely proved it later on. Michalski is also playing playing in the qualies, and and um, he's gonna take on Lukas Kerch today. But I'm obviously not really looking at him as as a potential winner of this event. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just look at Montero's draw, and even though I don't like going for back to back winners. I just don't know who eliminates him from this. Like even even the final against Milojevic in Lisbon, uh, Lisbon, sorry, uh, Braga, he he made it two and a half hours for two sets, but it it shouldn't have been that messy, and it just never looked like Milojevic has a chance to win this match. Realistically, I f- I just feel like to beat Monteiro on on clay, you need to have a certain level. You need to pr- probably need to have some big weapons most of the time that's why someone like Moraing didn't into did it in Tuln. so I, I i just don't know who beats him so i'm i'm gonna stick with montero and hope he goes back to back uh by the mm. way idiotic scheduling from andre martin can we just say that <laughs> like he went to south america for two weeks and then came back here even though there was more to play in south america like uh, yeah I mean, I, I assume that maybe he just wasn't very happy with the conditions because his results there were really, really poor. Um, I mean, no, but whoa, he must have been he must have been signed up for 
for, for this event long before he knew how he did in on altitude clay. Yeah, I I guess, but I I I don't I don't really get it either. It's very odd because he he usually stays there for for a long time through the exactly. Through the and there's like a event a week after week. It's not like you know there's gonna be South America is going anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and 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 soon enough, like th there will be no more European clay for him to play. Mm. It, it, it will all be indoor hard. So th does he plan to play the indoor the indoor hard as opposed to the the South American clay? I'm very confused. Um, um, yeah. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe he will play. He'll play Bratislava for once, but uh, probably unlikely. He's, he's, I, I, I have no idea what he's doing. Is there? I saw the calendar for the for the first two weeks of, of November, uh, where Bratislava is obviously involved. Uh, let me see if there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a clay challenger in Montevideo, uh, the week before there's a, there's one in Guayaquil. So yeah, there, there's pretty much no point for him to come back to Europe. Yeah. So yeah. And no clay court challengers in Europe at the, in the first two weeks of November. So so he's so far scheduled to only play uh naples in 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 the next month so so after this week he's got a break and that, then he has naples and then nothing scheduled so um very odd i, I mean I, I i assume that maybe he's dealing with some sort of injury or something that's why why, why would that be a break like naples is next week oh wait no hold on so so, so, so naples is next week and then he has a break. Okay. There are if, two. Uh, there are two events in Naples. He's signed up for both. Wait, is he signed up? Because because I, I I just looked at it and he was only signed up for the second. I one. I see both. Um, Napoli Napoli two, and he is yeah just just outside the seating. Ninth. In All right. The... So so he's playing the two Naples, and then then I guess yeah, we'll and see. then I, I guess know. go to South America again. I don't know. <laughs> It's very odd. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not really sure about why he would choose to do this. But yeah. Anyway, I don't expect much from him here. He has a very easy section, but he he can't have an easy enough section these days to to win matches. So I'm going for uh, Hugo Gaston, uh, third seed. Did did okay in in Braga. Uh, obviously lost to lost to Monteiro pretty easily. Uh, six four six one, but you you never know. Uh, it was indoors uh, as well, right? That 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 was yeah. the semi that was played indoors, so we couldn't see that, and probably the conditions sweet Monteiro more than Gaston. Yeah, yeah, probably. So Gaston for me. Okay, I'm not going for Taro Daniel again, <laughs> but he had a pretty decent week. I, I lost to Sanchez Izquierdo. I, I still feel like he might be able to do it but he would probably be a pretty big underdog against either of Monteiro and Gaston honestly hmm. all right uh, our final tournament this week in Murcia uh, we have top seed Roberto Carvajas Baena plays against Pablo Yamas Ruiz uh, who's in with a wild card in the second round he potentially has Daniel Rincon who uh, he he won the US Open or was he yep. in the final yep. won yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so that should be interesting to see him on, on this level again. Uh, so also in the section fifth seed, Marco Trungaiti plays Alexander Shevchenko, and then we have Evan Furness uh, against Javier Baranco Cosano. Next section, we have 
Mark Pomans as the third seed uh, against the qualifier. Then we have uh, two Belgian players with, with protected rankings in this section, which is <laughs> fun to see. The first one is Joris Delor, and he plays Andrea Colarini. Second one is Jeroen uh, Van Est, and he plays Roberto Ortega Almedo. Final match in this section is eight seed Matthias Borg against Jesper de Jong. Um, next section we have four seed Mario Villa Martinez against Flavio Coboli. That should be that should be quite interesting. Uh, then Dalibor Svarčina against Raul Brancaccio. We have seven seed Filip Horansky against the qualifier straight off of a final. I, I did not see coming that final whatsoever <laughs> uh, for him, but. Uh, yeah, and he plays in the second round Nikola Kuhn or Timofey Skatov, which I'm I'm curious to see Kuhn after his Szczecin run uh, where he got injured. So hopefully he's, he's back to the fitness. I want to see if he can replicate that form. Um, final section, we have Talon Grigspor. Number two seed plays Nikola Sanchez Izquierdo. Um, in the first round, then he, he potentially has Alexander Richard or wildcard uh, Alvaro Lopez San, San Martin. In the second round, we have six seed Ramkumara Ramanathan playing Milian Jekic. Uh, and Matteo Martino plays a qualifier. Um, all right, who stands out for you? Yeah, Israel? as you said, uh, Kun's cutoff is something I'm definitely tuning into. Uh, I was honestly mostly looking at guys at, at the first two seeds. Oh, let me let me say before that Rincon played uh, a 15k last week and lost in the semis, but I don't really know what to think about it because it was so weird. They 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 literally started the first round on Friday, I think, because of the rain, and he had to play three matches in a day at some point. Uh, so so it, it it got kind of crazy there. I can't remember the name of the of the Spanish city, but any 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 anyhow, as I as I probably talked about like two weeks ago, I, I I'm not really expecting him to do well in the pros at least for now. Uh, Shevchenko Drunheliti is another very good first round. I'm still waiting for that big breakthrough for Shevchenko. Maybe it's gonna happen. Uh, Jesper De Jong is has a very good draw. Honestly, I like Borg hasn't been in great form. Then Polman's you know has his issues on clay. So I, I would really expect De Jong maybe to go far again. But as I said, I was mostly looking at the first two seats, even though Kuhn, Kuhn was an option, honestly. But he would have to play at the same level as in stretching and with, with, with the back injury, I just have no idea if he will be able to do that. But, uh, well, Griegspor has, besides Sanchez Izquierdo, Griegspor has like the weakest section I've seen in a clay challenger all year, probably. <laughs> I mean, Ramanathan Zekic is a is gonna be a, a bit of a mess probably. I, I I have no idea what Ramanathan can show on clay, because you know he he obviously plays it only only a couple times a year. I think he played in Antalya in the at the beginning of the season, uh, but I ended up going with Carboyes Baena. I, I I don't like picking him, but he got me to a final in Seville. Uh, what was it, like against Martinez like three weeks ago. And I feel like he just always brings a certain level. He won't randomly lose to Pablo Lemas Ruiz. At the same time, he's never going to overperform. He's never going to beat 
I don't know, a top 50 player, but there are, no, never, never is obviously a stretch, but you know what I mean. And there are no top 50 players here. There are no players in his section that can really blow him off the court. So I just went with Roberto Carvajal's Bayern. Um, yeah, I'm going with, with, with Town Griegsport. Obviously, um, recent form, not not the best. He's, a, he's also not played that much. Um, but I mean, he's he, he's had what three titles this year, I think. Yep. Uh, yep. Prague, Bratislava, uh, and Amersfoort. Amersfoort, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they they all have a, 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 they're they're all clay. They're all I think stronger fields than this. Um, so I, I feel like I trust him here. As he said, very weak section to start with. So I'm, I'm penciling him in into the quarterfinals very confidently. I'm actually taking Sharpie and, and just put, put tracing over. That's how confident I am in the quarterfinals for him there. Um, but yeah, Greek sport for the title for me. Yes. The first round is the toughest of the first three for him, I guess. Yeah, that was a good week for him last week. Um, but yeah, it's, it's semis, but one of them is a retirement. The other one is Colarini. The, 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 the Taro Daniel win is, is, good, is a good yeah. one. Um, but yeah, obviously a semi-final run is a good run, but it's not the most impressive semi-final run I've ever seen. Yeah, so you're right, you're right. Yeah, Greek, Greek, Greek for, for me. Yeah, uh, for example, Lehechka last week in Bucharest, if, if he lost to Travalia, I don't know, two and two, then we wouldn't be saying that his semi-final run was good because the draw mm. was simply, it, it fell apart. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's where we're going to finish uh, this. And thank you for listening. Sorry for the for the problems we had, but next next week we're going to be uh, back in full flight and back yes. to do all five events together. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hope all of you enjoyed this week's conversation between Damien Kust and Jakob Bobro, recapping all of the action on the ATP Challenger Tour. Of course, a shout out to Damien and Jakob, as always, for taking the time to follow the Challenger Tour as closely as they do. I sincerely mean it when I say you are not going to find two people more closely following all of the action, more people more dedicated to the Challenger beat. Of course, you can also read Damien Kuss' thoughts on last week's Challenger champion, 19-year-old Czech Yuri Lehechka. He wrote about Lehechka's rise here in 2021 on our website, crackrackets.com, and we're going to actually have him on the show later this week to discuss that article, to discuss some Challenger players 
players to watch down the home stretch of the season. So be on the lookout for that content later on this week. But of course, again, recapping everything day in, day out on the Mini Break podcast feed, hoping to chat with players in San Diego and Sofia on the ATP side throughout the week as I'm, I believe I'm going to have press access to those pressers. So be on the lookout for the From the Presser segment on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. And of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to each of our shows to our Crack Rackets YouTube channel as well, where this week we're diving into the history of WTA teenage success, talking about where the current six top 100 teenagers in the WTA game compare historically with some of the teenage successes we've seen in the past. It's going to be a long-form Great Shot podcast episode as well, so be on the lookout for that. And of course, again, like, rate, subscribe, review uh, all of our Crack Rackets podcasts if you need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout-out as always. To our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that said, for our fantastic hosts, Damien Kuss and Jakob Abro, super producers Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>